Thank you for helping us as we go throughout life. Be with us this morning through our prayers and our singing so we can remember the truth you bring. Amen. Those beautiful words of prayer, we now welcome you. We are so glad you're with us today. If this is a first Sunday for you, we're particularly glad that you are with us and we have information in the pew rack in front of you, hopefully, but also we'd like to get to know you. So we're glad you're here. And before we pass the peace of Christ, I remind you that there's a myriad different ways to do so. If you prefer to bump elbows, to wave, to give a howdy-do, a peace sign, a hug, or, or, or any of those other socially acceptable and good Christian practice ways, uh, you're welcome to do that. Even the holy Hollywood air kiss. Now, at the way in which you would prefer, would you pass the peace of Christ? Oh, <laughs> is that, what's the gang sign for the choir? Is that it? Is that how C sees it? Remember that? He said y'all do gang signs. I'm not trying to figure out what they are. Oh, that's it. Oh. <laughs> That was interesting. I think I saw some sign language even. So. Okay. The Hebrew scripture. I lift up my eyes to the hills. 
From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither, neither sleep. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you from life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. During the season of Lent, we uh, come together to a time of confession this morning. Remembering that as we uh, confess together that we do this here uh, with one another, the body of Christ. Um, and we are welcomed by God, just as we are. Uh, loved by God through and through. And still we invite the presence of God into our lives to bring us to wholeness uh, and into the loving work that God has already begun and is continuing in our lives together. So, if you would, let's read together as we pray our prayer of confession this morning. Remember not, O Lord, our offenses and sins against God and our neighbors, for we are truly sorry for all of them, and we would turn from them. In these coming days, we humbly pray that we might be always aware of what we have done and thought that is not loving or holy, and that we might sincerely sorrow over being that way. Forgive us, we pray, and then deliver us now and in the coming days from our spiritual blindness, our pride, envy, and anger, and from our self-concern. From the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to give us life, let us now in this Lent die to death with him, that we might be raised with him to share in your life. Amen. Now, Lord, hear our prayers. Christ, we pray. Amen.
Let's pray together, please. Dear God, we're glad of the gospel, which tells us that even though we can't arise and come to you, that Jesus rose and came to us, comes and finds us where we are, finds us in our need, finds us in our fears, finds us in our longing, finds us in our brokenness, finds us in the brokenness that other people tell us that we have that may not actually be brokenness. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for that place that we have in your love that is through him. And this morning, as we give our tithes and our offerings, we do that to further ministries of this church, but also in honor of the wonderful charms of being children of God. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to stand now as you're able for the reading of the gospel this morning. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.
That was fantastic. That's as close as they're ever going to let me be in the choir. <laughs> Thank you. There are a few terms as out of fashion from the traditional vocabulary of religious language as the word repentance. Perhaps that word repent for you is too closely associated with the fierce condemnation of an old-time preacher nagging his listeners with his highly-pitched nasal voice and then pointing a bony finger over in our direction, stabbing in the air to punctuate his fire and brimstone rhetoric of turn or burn sermons. Repent! Or the maitre d' at the gates of hell will be asking Belzadar, is this one original or extra crispy? Perhaps a call to repentance is resisted because it occurs at such a profound and deeply emotional level, buried beneath layers of guilt and shame so deep we would never consider poking around long enough to disturb them. Perhaps living in these times has made admitting our wrongdoing and taking responsibility for our actions grossly unpopular. If you've never ever made any mistakes at all, then for which or from which are you trying to repent? Perhaps, even after being warned now almost 70 years ago from Bonhoeffer's now classic, The Cost of Discipleship, we are still conditioned and influenced by cheap grace, caught presuming upon God's unconditional mercy and never wrestling fully with the true depths of our errors and sins. Do you remember that idyllic sentiment from my generation? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Where we were taught how feeling bad is a greater sin than what we may have done or the harm that we may have caused. As we are now in the season of Lent, I kicked off last Sunday's first Sunday trying to steer this middle course between the legalist who always has a firm set of rules and regulations and expectations and gauges an interaction with God to be nothing more than a perpetual transaction. Next to the relativist, who believes it doesn't matter what you do because everyone ends up measuring themselves to the standard of their own subjective reality. I tried to say rules are important, but they are not of ultimate importance because many of them will change over time based on more enduring and universal principles. And it's the task of every age, every community, 
every society, even as we are in this one trying to cope with such a rapidly changing and fast-paced world, to figure out what are those bedrock principles that are unshakable, that if we let go of them, we will be building our lives upon sinking sand. How can we identify these foundations that give structure and meaning to all the other rules and laws and expectations we hope to follow? Because we can't live in a world devoid of standards. And for those of us committed as we are to the role of the church, we affirm an objective measure of reality, that there is truth. And how can we discern with authenticity a way forward to build thoughtful and loving communities, providing a basis for our moral and ethical formations? How can we preserve our salt? Might be the question from the Sermon on the Mount. How can we keep our lights burning bright? Path forward, I hope to suggest, is to recover a little bit of this word, repentance. This word that has fallen into such disrepair, even in religious circles. A path forward that may help us. Now it starts with an acknowledgement, a firm theological truth that we are comfortable with, I hope, at least as Christians. And that is the firm belief that we are not perfect. Someone in the early service reminded me of a little news clip. You probably saw it this week. There was a public official allowing the public to know how to help prohibit the spread of the coronavirus and said in her proclamation, you should not touch your face only to then lick her fingers as she turned the page to offer the next pronouncement. We are humans full of errors, mistakes, foibles, problems. And only false messiahs proclaim their infallibility. Young people, you can take this insight to the bank. Those who pretend to be perfect are actually trying to hide their insecurity and their own incompetence. In fact, none of us will be able to live up perfectly to the standards that we affirm. We fall short, we mess up, we make mistakes. We must come to grips with our failure. Put in another way, God loves us exactly as we are. And God loves us so much that God does not want us to stay exactly as we are. And both of those are gospel proclamations. Good news. God loves you as you are. Come, just as I am, and God loves you too much to allow you to 
resign to being exactly the person you are right now forever. I made a list of some of the words beginning with the letters R-E that we might term negatively. React, rebellion, recede, or the word gaining a lot of attention for some of us these days, recession, reckless, rejection, remorse, repression, retaliation, revenge. But there are also a few positive words that begin with the letters R-E. Reality, reason, Religion, renewal, and the one I'm trying to put on the table today, repentance. Now, in a nutshell, I can offer you the full extent of what I was told growing up as a Baptist Christian about the word repent or repentance. First, I was told that before I could accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I needed to repent of my sins. All of them. The ones I may have committed in the past, the ones I don't know about, and most likely the ones I will continue to commit in the future. Getting it all taken care of in one simple, slick transaction. Don't have to worry about it ever again. I did it all at the moment of confession. I repented of my sins, I accepted Jesus, and now the world is great, right? Or, for those that were trying to scratch under the surface, I was told that repentance was simply changing directions. It was turning away from evil and turning to God. Evil defined as a motto. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. You know, dancing, playing cards. Turn! Turn to God. Well, I wasn't a good dancer. I didn't play many cards. and It was much later in life before I found out about harder liquor kind of substances. And so I drank milk until I was well past the legal age. What's there for me to repent from, right? Hmm. Pretty simple. But as the hair turns gray and as life moves on and as you go through these different trials and difficulties, you probably have found that the instructions we received as children and as youth and as young adults about repentance just hasn't been very helpful. Except to pour on more guilt and shame. And I want to live transformed in Christ to live more at peace in the world. I want to work for justice from a greater foundation. I hope to experience a greater life fulfillment of what it means to be a disciple. And our lives are not that simple. And, and some of the good that I hope to choose is not always pure or crystal clear. That I don't always know what's best for me. That I'm imperfect by design. And the path is complicated, and if 
If we're prone to error, we can get so lost on our way, so confused. How can we grow out of our current limitations? We're going to need some help. We're going to need some wiser instruction. Well, I have found one form of help from the Lord on the hill. To try and learn from the Lord's covenant with the Lord's original covenant people. And there I've discovered a key concept in the rabbinical, rabbinical teaching of sin and repentance, summarized by the word teshuva. You have to remember these steps. In fact, the article from 1998 from Rabbi David Blumenthal is copied in a blog post that you can find on our website. But in teshuva, he outlines these five steps. Recognition. Remorse, desisting, restitution, and confession. So let me walk through each of those quickly and um, carefully. Recognition. The first step. To truly recognize my sin for what it is. Sin. That a diagnostic procedure is important before we can have any prognosis of a person's condition. Are we learning the importance now as a culture that a good test must precede an accurate treatment? That Jesus, before he healed anyone, would first name their disease. Well, actually, he would say your sins are forgiven because we've got to get the guilt stuff out of the way. And then he would name their condition or their demon or their problem that an accurate understanding of what I'm trying to face, what I'm trying to figure out, must come first. There must be recognition. After recognition, there may come remorse, a feeling feeling of regret, but again, trying to escape from this shame and guilt dynamic, others have described this feeling of remorse to be feeling trapped or to be feeling overwhelmed with anguish, that there's just this malaise that exists, sometimes from what I've done wrong, but sometimes just because of the evil nature of the world or all the things that are happening around me that, that make me feel ugly inside. There's a feeling that comes along with this struggle. And the feeling oftentimes makes us want to run and escape and not face whatever role I may have played. But that's just step two. Step three is the most important. It requires an action to desist from whatever that is. That truly repentance always must result in some form of changed behavior. Some way of choosing differently. Some way of reconfiguring your life in a, in a new and better kind of formulation. It must require us to quit doing what we have determined now is unhealthy and build those better habits that produce greater 
fulfillment and possibility in life. Then restitution. I'm so glad this is number four on the list instead of number one. Because it might be possible to make restitution, oftentimes through financing, but sometimes restitution may not be possible. But we must recognize we live in a society where oftentimes you can buy yourself out of trouble. If you write enough zeros on the check, you may not have to be held accountable to what has been done wrongly. And so restitution is not the complete form of repentance. It doesn't take care of all the possibilities, but it shouldn't also be avoided. If it's possible to make amends for what we've done through restitution, we should do so. And reconciliation may not look exactly like we think it might. We can't go back in, in, in time. We can forgive, but as humans, we cannot forget. And restitution may mean to have something happen in a different way than what we would expect. But then that leads to the final, the final step, confession, which can take on corporate or personal dimensions. Now, we had a uh, corporate confession that we said together today. Um, and that corporate confession, sorry, that corporate confession is a means for you to kind of launch into your own personal confession. And in order for this repentance game, I think, to do any real action in our life, this has to be a very introspective kind of process. It's not something we have to will before a bunch of folks. We, we have perhaps, and I hope, a few trusted advisors that are close to us that help us discern and figure out what we need to recognize and what we need to do. But then we really take this to heart. Before the mercy and love of God as a redeemed child, as a person of promise and, and goodness, what, what seriously do I need to attend to? And after I've gone through this full process, I am now ready to confess. I'm now ready to say to God, help me. <laughs> I'm trying. And God promises in covenant, I will deliver you. Well, let me confessionally just talk as uh, a person of, of, of my skin. An older, white, American male with above average means. And I find this rubric of recognition, remorse, statisting, restitution, and confession very helpful. A person like me, wrapped up as I am in this presentation, older, white, American, male, of above average means. Let's consider the Me Too movement for a moment. In recognition, have I said a few things that probably weren't very sensitive, yes. Should I be open to how I can use my language with more care? Absolutely. Do I need to affirm and listen more intently and carefully to those who have felt life has not been fair to them because of their gender, who may have been taken offense at something that I did not consider as offensive? 
Because again, I am an older white American male of above average means. Or up the topic of racial reconciliation. I think I've shared this before, but we had a gentleman that we met in our relationship with one of our African American congregations, who's my age, lived in Lexington his whole life, um, and uh, I've been in Lexington a lot of my life, not all of it, but a good hunk of it, and he's been pulled over five times by the police in Fayette County. He's a person of color. How many times have I been pulled over in Fayette County? That 61 or near to be. Zero. Zero. Now, we're going to be thinking about this, I think, in a deeper way this summer about the issues of race, and I hope we'll do some reading and thinking about this topic and revisit it again. But a path through it is not in pride, and it's not in thinking I have all the answers, and it's not in thinking that, well, this isn't important because it's not a part of my experience. No. The path forward is the path called repentance. How about the poor? Aren't we supposed to remember them? Isn't that a part of the pledge that we make as religious people? Isn't that a part of our heritage as good Christians and those who follow the rules and laws of the Judeo-Christian heritage? Then why are we judging them so often? Why are we not concerned about those who have no insurance or are underinsured? Why are we not worried about the tens of thousands of homeless? Why are their concerns our concerns? A path forward for us is called repentance. Or the last illustration, those who are of the LGBTQ plus community. Now, I, I don't know that experience. I know that experience by listening to others, but I don't know that experience as a firsthand person who has dealt with diverse and changing sexual identities. I just, I'm just not that familiar with that. Does that mean I'm all important? Does that mean I have all the answers? Or does it mean and require of me if I seek to live with greater compassion and empathy in the world to step back and to zip the lips and to open the ears and to question and walk patiently, carefully with Christ through repentance and discipleship? See, none of this has to, anything to do with guilt and shame. It's not suggesting that you're not good enough because we've already started with the very firm and wonderful proclamation that we're, we're not. But rather, we are embracing this in a spirit of humility and grace. That I'm not all important and I don't have all the answers. But grace is a part of the space that lives between us that's beautiful and wonderful and and I come with humility before it. All spiritual greatness begins in spiritual humility. All spiritual greatness begins and is preceded 
by spiritual humility. Moses said, I'm not good enough. Choose somebody else. David was overlooked and the last chosen. Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. St. Peter, when he met Jesus, fell on his knees and said, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I don't know if you figured that out or not. I don't want you around me. St. Paul accounted himself as the chief of all sinners. It was even said of Jesus that though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he took the form of a servant. And even in his earthly life, Jesus strongly resisted anyone trying to put him up on a pedestal, calling him Lord or elevating him in special privilege. What I'm saying can be summed up in Galatians 5.13. Brothers, sisters, siblings, you were called to freedom. But do not use your freedom for self-indulgence. But through love, become servants of one another. Now we come to this place of response opening our hearts to God where God may be leading us. May we recognize that God is present here in our worship and that God is calling us to new ways to follow our Lord with mercy, humility, grace, and yes, repentance. If you wish to make a decision public, I stand forward to receive you as we stand and sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. May we stand and sing.
You may be seated just for a moment as we close our service. I have a few announcements for you. First, this week is business meeting uh, week. On Wednesday at 6.30, you're welcome to come for the business of the church. We have information packets that are out in the foyer as you leave, but they're thick. And uh, if you are able to get this electronically, you can also get it on our website. And so uh, if you wish to have that information, it's available in that form. Uh, but we do have a special... Um, bylaws change that's listed in that information packet and you can review that to be ready for uh, the voting and the business of the church on Wednesday night. You'll also notice of many of the small groups that are listed this week including baby boomers that meets this week. So uh, be aware of those gatherings and opportunities to be together as God's people. Any other announcements? Um, Aaron, are you close? There he is, okay. Do you want to say anything about the art project? You think about that as you come. You don't have to rush. I'll say some other stuff. You don't have to run. Just take your time. Take your time. Relax. There's an art project out, out in the foyer. You're going to say it now. Go ahead. So that's on your right as you leave, and it looks like a big kind of pinwheel, is what I'll call it. I'm surprised you said you didn't say the other. Spiderweb was another one, but it's beginning, to look, it's beginning to look a lot more like the beautiful sun that it will turn into as we go through Lent and move our way through Easter. But that's what that is, and that's what you're looking at as you go out to the right. I also wanted you to sit down because I wanted to say a couple of brief words about the coronavirus or COVID-19 and discussions that we've had with staff and leadership and uh, through church council. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I want you to be here, and you are welcome to be here. Um, but we also recognize that there are health advisories, particularly for those who are elderly or who have compromised health systems already. And so we may not see some of those folks because of those decisions. And that first does not mean that they're not a part of our congregation because we don't see them more frequently. I want to encourage you to reach out by phone, email, card uh, to those who are around you that you may not see uh, as often. We do have some folks dealing with other types of illnesses, um, but it's going to be more important for us to endeavor to build those connections, not only here when we're together and gathered, but when we're not always in the same room. Now, I really appreciate you being here today because even I kind of forgot about Spring Forward. I did make it on time this morning but it was really early to get that first cup of coffee and even it wasn't ready as early as I wanted it to be. So I knew today would be a little bit different, but we also have to recognize that we may be under other advisories that we can't yet predict in terms of what the public health department saying about encouraging gatherings or not gatherings, including whether we should come to religious services. Now, if we get to the point, no one knows, so this is a big if, and it's not to panic, but just to be aware and to be prepared, that if we get to the point where the Fayette County public school system is being canceled, that will be a clue to us in the church that the community has seen this risk high enough to discourage folks from gathering together, and we will likely be in the same kind of situation we've been in in the past because of ice storms and uh, inclement weather to cancel services. 
So again, it's even more important to stay connected. If you're not as a part of the email list that goes out weekly from the church, don't forget to get involved with that, be a part of that. If we do end up in the future, in the next few weeks or so, having to cancel a service, we will still have a service on our YouTube channel. And many people may be watching even now um, at home as they are with us electronically. So there's going to be ways for us to try to figure this out as congregations and as citizens. Um, and we want to walk forward with care, compassion, and uh, good sense. Uh, I appreciate you know, the fact that we're giving each other a little bit of space. Maybe that's always a good thing to give people some space. Um, but we're going to walk through this together. We're going to commit ourselves to love, and we're going to recognize that even in isolation, physically, we can still be deeply connected by spirit. So this will be a time for us to rise up to that challenge, and I know you can do that. Any questions? This is your opportunity. Well, if you have any you'd like to address with me privately or personally, please do so, or by email. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it is maybe more and more a compliment of courage to come together as God's people. May we always remember the power of being one in Christ. Would you bow now for the benediction? Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all our years away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. O oh God, our help. In ages past, our hope for all the years to come, be thou our guide, and may life last until our eternal home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.